Hey, well, you're coming in. Great. Appreciate you coming on the program. My pleasure. All right. Well, this is your first time on the Edge broadcast, and uh, we're here we don't cover single topics. We cover every kind of topic, and if you went down our show list, you'd see that we try to cover everything. And I saw you pop up here and there on the Internet, and um, um, I think you, uh, even on uh, Coast to Coast, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. You yes. And in a lot of other shows you've been interviewed. And really, you just bring a lot of information that we just don't get from some of the other ufologists. And I don't even know if that's a, a term that you would take for yourself. But I just love this investigator of contact with non-humans. So it's almost as if you're not saying every contact uh, is 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 a is an alien. I mean, non-human could cover a whole plethora of, of beings, could it not? Yes, and I don't like to say that they're extraterrestrials because I'm not certain that they are. They could be interdimensionals. They could be time travelers uh, coming back, uh, mm -hmm. or or they could be extraterrestrials. So I just use the word non-humans. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I like the word non-human, and uh, that way you're not pigeonholed into, into having a conversation on, on one type of entity because... Kathleen, I got to say, after doing over a thousand shows since 2004, uh, I have discovered, along with our many viewers, that there's a whole lot of entities and beings out there, and they account for a lot of activity, seen and unseen. And uh, of course, we go about our daily lives. You know, it always reminds me of that uh, George Orwell's *The War of the Worlds*. He's where the very the opening of that is one of the best openings paragraph sentences ever you know it says as we busied ourselves on our daily lives unawares that eyes cool collected were slowly but surely making their plans against us that's just that's just classic it's just you know and i love that but <laughs> i'm hoping that there aren't people out there right now that's slowly but surely drawing their plans against us uh we'll be talking about that tonight but hey uh okay. betty and barney hill is your aunt and uncle that's correct I was 13 when it happened. Now, well, I guess we can start with that because, I mean, <laughs> I, I've never had a, uh, an interview with somebody that close to them, certainly on this program. I mean, I've had uh, uh, some others of, of no, notoriety, but um, did they tell you the story? Uh, yes, they, they did. Uh, I arrived home from school on the afternoon of September 20th, 1961. Uh, I think I was in the seventh grade then. I was 13 years old. And my mother was on the phone with my aunt, Betty Hill. My mother was 10 years older, uh, younger than Betty and uh, sisters. And so uh, Betty was concerned because that craft had come so close to her and to Barney that she was afraid that they might have been contaminated. So my mother agreed to call a neighbor of ours who was a physicist and then get back to Betty. But as we began to talk about it, I wanted to hear the story myself. I was incredible. I was a very curious kid. Mm -hmm. So uh, within a couple of days, my mother and father and my two brothers and I drove up to Betty's and Barney's house, which was about 20 miles from my childhood home. And I had the opportunity to hear it firsthand then. Mm. Well, that's awesome. Uh, now, we actually had a, a guest on this program, Chase Kloski. I don't know if you know who she is, but she's a... Yes, you know, I know. Chase. Mm -hmm. uh, and I talked to her several times, met her personally, went to conferences and seen her there. But she totally surprised me one time when she, she told me, and then she ended up telling a, a lot of other people as well, that 
she was doing a UFO investigation in a farm field where the farmer said there was UFOs flying around. And she said that uh, it was at night and her team and the farmer was standing right there and, and a four foot gray just was right there. And she hit, hit it with a spotlight and said hit it right in the eyes and it didn't flinch or anything. So that was a pretty pretty good first-hand account because normally we have people that just say, well, I heard of somebody that had a had a sighting. But I, I like these first-hand accounts of this report that you got from them. So once once they got um, – um, once this event happened to them, did they go directly to the authorities or did they sit on it for a while to figure out what they're going to do? Well, they arrived home on September 20th and – um, my father's best friend, Buzz Sawyer, was uh, the former chief of police in Newton, New Hampshire. And Buzz advised Betty to make a report to Pease Air Force Base because Pease had contacted the local police departments and asked them if somebody had a UFO sighting to, to report it. And that would go to Project Blue Book. Mm -hmm. And so being the good citizens that they were, they called PZ Air Force Base the following day and made the report. Hmm. Now, um, in, in, the, in the 47 event there at Roswell, um, if, at first it came out, they said, I mean, it was all over the, the newspapers, a UFO, a craft was involved, bodies were involved, they took it to Wright-Patterson. Took a couple of days and they came back and they said, "Oh, we just we just realized. Sorry, our mistake. It's a it's a it's a balloon." Uh, but um, and then um, so I mean, somebody gathered pieces from it, as you know, from that event. But was was telling the truth about UFOs easier back in the early days, 40s, 50s, 60s, say versus in the 80s, 90s, 20s? Well, Project Blue Book was still around. And it closed down in 1969, early 1970. So um, they, it was more difficult to register a report. The, the private groups, such as the Mutual UFO Network, uh, was around. Uh, NICAP was just about ending in that time frame. I think it was the early 70s. Um, and... Uh, APRO, the Aerial Phenomena Research Organization, was around, and uh, they they were there for the Travis Walton case in in the mid 1970s. So, yeah, there were there were places that you could make a report in the 70s and 80s and 90s, but not everyone knew mm -hmm. about it, and it wasn't uh, official like the reports mm -hmm. that you would make to Project Blue Book. Mm -hmm through the Air Force. Yeah, so I mean, almost, if there was a timeline, it seemed like a, it was maybe believable in the early days, and, and then then it then it got to the point where if anybody mentioned it, then you're a conspiracy theorist and that bag, you know, you got aluminum foil in your head. Now it's coming completely back around, and we're all sitting and waiting around for the government's military, the Na particularly Navy, to release a report. Congress has already had a... a a top secret brief pre-briefing on that report that's coming out. And some uh, senators said that there certainly is evidence that they exist. And so that's almost like a drip. So we're trying to get in this drip, but anyways, it's, it seems like it's finally moving out of the shadows, you know, the dark web, uh, you know, just, you know, science fiction books to, to a reality that we may have to deal with here in a not too distant future. 
there's a possibility that that will happen. The government has been studying uh, UFOs, UAPs since the mid-1940s, uh, doing formal studies on them. By 1952, uh, there was a major study of more than 1,500 reports. 26.94% were true unknowns. Then in 1955 came the largest study ever done by the Air Force, Project Blue Book Special Report Number 14, 3,201 cases done at the prestigious Battelle Memorial Institute. And both of those studies that I have talked about uh, are had a chi-square analysis. So they were doing a quality of analysis on the reports as well. The the uh, better the report, the more credible the witness, the longer the sighting, the more likely it was to be a true unknown. Now, they can't say extraterrestrial because they don't know that that craft is coming here from some mm -hmm. other planet mm -hmm. outside our atmosphere. But um, the statistic in the 1955 study was 21.5% uh, unknowns. The, so the government's known about this for a long time, but in 1953, the Robertson panel convened. It was a CIA-funded panel of uh, some very closely connected top scientists con mm -hmm. connected to the government. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the decision was made that uh, this could cause public hysteria and it would just be best to convince the public that it wasn't real mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. to have uh, scientists uh, write explanations mm -hmm. using logical deduction, mm -hmm. not evidence or anything else, just logical deduction on what it might have been. Mm -hmm. And then they went further than that and decided that they should uh, discourage people, especially credible witnesses, from making reports that would might go to the public uh, by ridiculing them, by having uh, someone supposed who is a supposed witness uh, explain what it is and make that person look silly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that yeah, that so, was followed for many years. So the, the the generalized theme for years is really is the the government says anybody believes in it is a conspiracy theorist. The church is always saying they're demons, so don't look at them, don't don't even talk, you know, don't don't look, don't even don't even ask the question about it. there's demons. Then education says it's an it's 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 and science says well you can't reproduce it, you can't make it happen. So you know there it's just a phenomena that can't be explained, but it certainly is not. So I mean you have this whole array of deniers, you know, and and obfuscators trying to say well don't look there, it's this and it's that, and like they know how do they know? Because they said so. I don't know. All right, let's get now we have a, uh, questions coming in for you, uh, Kathleen, and here's one from Doreen. Says uh, Kathleen. Will the aliens show up this year? Will they show up? You mean, will they go public? Uh, I don't think that they will. They don't think that we're ready. Uh, they, um, if you go to my website at Kathleen-Marden, M-A-R-D-E-N.com, you'll find an article that I wrote about the government's uh, involvement in communicating with ETs way back in 1954 mm -hmm. and they wanted to make an agreement with the government what they wanted to do 
is they were willing to uh, give us medical cures, to give us te some technology, but the, the, the problem for us was they were going to distribute this information evenly around the world. And when the name of the game is tribal warfare, and people and you have nationalistic countries, uh, you don't want to do that. That goes against uh, everything that you're doing. You know, mm -hmm. it, uh, a, there's a lot of money, and there has been for a long time, mm -hmm. in warfare mm -hmm. and uh, manufacturing well, let, let, weapons. Well, let me ask you something here. Um, let's just say that I'm a reptoid or an insectoid. I kind of like insectoids because, I mean, they kind of, they got like praying mantis type guys. I kind of like that one. But, um, you know, if I'm, I've got my angry horde of insectoids and legions of them coming out uh, from uh, Alpha Centauri, got mother ships, two or 3,000 of them that are a mile wide and we're coming to the earth and we're going to make a deal, you know. But when I, when we get here, all these countries are fighting around. Everybody's got different currency. They all got different language. Uh, they're, they're always shutting each other off. They're always attacking each other. We, we can't deal, okay? Can't deal with this anarchy down here, okay? Can't you guys, I mean, like the, us insectoids, we all get along. Sure, there's a few variants. You know, we got insectoids, you know, that look like an ant and some look like a praying mantis, and, you know, and some look like a skeletor, but we get along. But when you come to Earth, it is this cornucopia of, of variances that you can't really figure out who you're supposed to deal with because everybody's so, so different. So wouldn't it be in my alien interest to have what I would call, from an alien standpoint, a global reset, where everything comes together as one, where all the countries, the borders are erased, the monetary system goes into one. Wouldn't it be to our benefit, before we take over, to help the humans have this global reset and, and do different things to humans they, and for humans to cause this to happen? They have a non-interference policy, and uh, they are waiting for us to develop on an evolutionary scale, where um, we will do that ourselves. They're not going to impose that on us. That's what they say. Mm. And, uh, you know, there, it won't be hordes of aliens coming here um, to militarily take over this planet. Uh, in 1952, July of 1952, Major General John A. Samford held the largest press conference that had been held since the end of World War II at the Pentagon. And the conference was about uh, the UFOs that were seen over Washington and, and picked up on radar uh, for two weekends in July. And what he said to the press is, uh, these phenomena have been here dating back to biblical times. He said that they come back about once every century. And uh, they were here in the mid-19th century, and then they're here again in the 20th century. They've been here since the 1940s, and mm -hmm. they haven't left. Mm -hmm. But they were not going to be frantic about it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they've been here a long time. If they wanted to invade, they would have. Mm -hmm. They have chosen not to interfere with uh, human activity uh, overtly. 
-hmm. Of course, they, there are thousands, if not millions of people who have interacted with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of interaction there. But I think one of the main reasons they're not going to come back down here militarily is because they're going to have to face the cowboy. And uh, <laughs> cowboy don't like that too well. I mean, I'm just, interestingly enough, worldwide in ancient history, there appears to be the same type of um, pyramids all over the world. Now, it just seems to me that that came from a single source. Maybe perhaps somebody came down here, told them how to do it, and expected the, everybody to grow up at all around the world and get to that one place where then they can come back and communicate to us as one people. But that something happened in there, and it messed that all up, and everybody started changing, and the country became uh, isolated in the languages and kind of like a great flood wiped them out, and their plan was thwarted. But let's get some more questions for you. Uh, was Ken Jennings, the Jeopardy champion, a time traveler who knew all the answers being from the future? Not that I know of. <laughs> uh, I have no idea. Well, well, I tell you what, for the, the person who wrote that there, you ought to look at Ken Jennings' tweets because he's got a couple rough and rowdy tweets out there that should have disqualified him from even getting close to being the announcer for Jeopardy. All right, let's get to Azur. has a question for us. says, Kathleen... If an alien becomes an interdimensional entity, does she? Do you feel it has a biblical sense? No, I don't. Uh, there are different dimensions in our universe. Now there are could be planets that uh, have life at a different dimension, and all that means is. Let me explain first of all from the point of view of what the physicists that I've talked to have said to me. They said everything is in motion. Uh, nothing is completely still. That is the vibrational frequency, the frequency at, less, at which you vibrate. Mm -hmm. Humans vibrate at a lower frequency. Uh, the non-humans or, or evil uh, dead humans uh, vibrate at a lower frequency, or the demons, whatever you want to call them. They vibrate at a lower frequency. Mm, okay, okay, I can see now, that. Those uh, ETs could be in the fifth dimension, the sixth dimension. Uh, we have a very narrow visual range as humans. Mm -hmm. They could be here right with us and we wouldn't see them our cats can see them <laughs> a lot of people tell me that's, that their cats i think they can yes i mean have you ever seen a cat a cat just walking by and suddenly goes he just jumps up like you know just like that yes or a cat that is just looking at staring at something that you cannot see and it will sit there and, and react to it. Yeah, I mean, it is, I mean, you, you, you can see it. It's looking at something. I, I, that's undeniable, Kathleen. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, we don't know because we can't get into the mind of, you know, I always find it fascinating when they say, well, here's what the bee sees when the bee has, you know, 1,800 little octagons in his little eyeballs, man. I mean, how did they get, did they get behind those lenses, look out? How do they know what that is? And here's another thing, because I got chickens, okay? I got mm -hmm. this mangy rooster out there, uh, Americana rooster out there, like kind of guarding garden his girls. You know what he, he's doing with them? He does one thing, okay? Kind, kind of like the, the drone bees do. They just don't have one function. But okay, he's got his rooster. Uh, and I um, uh, forgot what the hell I was saying. 
<laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. Okay, so it's chickens, chickens, <laughs> chickens seeing things. Um, dang God, I missed my point because I went on too far. All right, let me, uh, I'll try to re- reminisce on that, ruminate on that. And let's get to this question from Bear. He's okay. a part of the program and uh, he does a Bear Report here in the first half hour of the show. He, sa- he says, Kathleen, whatever happened to Betty's dress? Did it get tested for DNA? If so, what were the results? Uh, Betty's dress is now at the University of New Hampshire, along with the rest of the archival collection that I set up. I'm the trustee of Betty's estate, and I set it up after she passed away. And yes, the dress has been tested many times, um, both uh, chemical analysis and DNA testing done wow. on it. Uh, in fact, I just uh, this year is the 60th anniversary of the Betty and Barney Hill UFO experience. And so I have just updated my book with Stanton Friedman, uh, captured the Betty and Barney Hill UFO experience with a new chapter on the new scientific evidence, the studies that have been done since the book was released. Wow. And uh, one thing I'm going to tell you about is because... I did a television show, oh, a little more than a year ago with Ben Hansen. Mm -hmm. And this was up at the University of New Hampshire where we met, and we were examining Betty's dress in front of the camera. And we turned it inside out as we were examining it, and he pointed out some stains. Now, the stains were just a little bit to the right of where her navel was. And he said, those look like blood stains. And her dress was torn from waist to hemline on that side, too. So the the dress might have bunched up in that area because uh, it was torn when they took her. Wow. Yeah, she tried to, to fight them off. She fought for her life. She tore the hem down on one side and tore the waist, the, the lining well, from waist to hemline. Well, did they, I mean... It kind of kind of reminds me of the blue dress, Bill Clinton's blue dress. There now, man, was the aliens <laughs> was the aliens trying something on Betty? Same thing on Betty's dress. On Betty's dress, if you'll remember, um, when she was on the craft, they put her on a table and they had produced a very long needle connected to a tube. And she said, "What are you going to do with that?" And they said, "It's oh, it's just a simple pregnancy test." Uh, it won't hurt. And she said, it will hurt, don't do it. They plunged it into her navel, causing such pain that Dr. Benjamin Simon, who was doing hypnosis on her in 1964, had to end the session early. But uh, the the one that she called the leader that I call the escort, uh, because he sees experiencers time and time again throughout their lifetime. Well, he took the pain away. But to get back to the question about DNA analysis, there was DNA analysis. I sent it in to MUFON scientist, mm-hmm. and the DNA analysis was very interesting because they concluded that it was Betty's DNA. It, uh, the sample was too old to determine if it was blood. I also sent a sample of Betty's blood. Um, But it definitely was fluid from Betty's body, and it was right in the area of her navel. So I think that that's pretty good evidence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. By the way, our our moderator, Jade, 
gave me the keyword to get my memory going. Uh, we were talking about eyes. And so uh-huh. then I started talking about chickens, you know, because like I say, how can you get behind the, eye, the bee of an eye, you know, the eyes of a bee and say, here's what they see or a fly or whatever. And then, but right. I remember the chickens now, they have like 135 taste buds and, and we've got a couple, two, three thousand. So we get a lot of different flavors. I'm thinking, does that mean I can give, <laughs> I can give my chickens some moldy old crap and they wouldn't know because they can't taste it. I mean, how do they know what a chicken can taste? You know what I'm saying? I, I don't yeah. trust Kathleen, Marlon, I don't trust scientists because they're they're not chickens and they're not bees, so whatever. All right, so let's get some more questions for you. Uh, it says have, uh, this is from Billy. It says Kathleen, have you heard of Gary Parker? He deciphered crop circles in ancient Hebrew in the sand at the Giza pyramids. No, I haven't heard of him. Mm-hmm. No, I'm pretty. I'm not a generalist. I have certain areas that I research and I send, spend all of my free time researching those areas. Mm-hmm. I'm like the mad scientist who wants to know the answer before I die. <laughs> so mm-hmm. all right. I, I keep going at it. Yes. That's okay. All right. Another question come up for you. Uh, do you think the aliens are giving us technologies f- for humans to experiment on or to eat? Um giving us technologies do you mean scientists well i think he's talking about a a classic theory that that we've made agreements with the aliens that if we we allow them to abduct people to perform hideous experiments that they will give us technology in return and then then the story goes on to say that they started reneging they stopped reporting who they were taking and then they stopped giving us technology but it kept taking the people yes but i haven't seen any hard evidence that that is true i do have evidence that in 1954, the CIA, President Eisenhower, uh, Admiral Herbert Knowles, and uh, uh, Wilbert Smith, who was the Canadian government's UFO guy, and others, the Office of Naval Intelligence, uh, Mm -hmm. was interested in communicating with these non-humans. That's the article on Mm -hmm. my, one of the articles on my Mm -hmm. website. and I have the FBI reports to back this up mm-hmm. that, you know, so the evidence is there. I mm-hmm. trust that more than a story about an agreement that was supposedly made um, that they could mm-hmm. take some some of us mm-hmm. and then they took more. I that I have a lot harder time uh, believing that because I've mm-hmm. seen absolutely no evidence that it's true. Mm-hmm. And I look for evidence. Well, sounds like you certainly do your due diligence. Uh, question from Southern Voice says, uh, Kathleen, how did Betty communicate with them telepathically or vocally? Uh, she and Barney communicated. They might have spoken out loud because that's what they do. But the non-human entities would made a tiny sound, kind of a kind mumming sound. But Betty and Barney understood them in mm-hmm. English. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of telepathic. Mm, okay. Um, now, their, their car didn't get, go with them, did it? You know, I don't know that for certain. I have pondered that. Mm-hmm. Under hypnosis, Barney uh, said that, and he was driving and driving, and he made a turn, but he didn't know why he had to mm-hmm. make that turn. Mm-hmm. Well, 
he made only one turn under hypnosis. But if you were to drive on that route, which I've done dozens of times, and you would have to take make one, two, three turns, not one turn. So I suspect that that car was actually picked up. Yeah, and it's interesting too because there there are there are, seem to be more stories come to the surface about vehicles being taken or manipulated yes. in, in some way. And I mean, yeah. that goes all the way back to Admiral Byrd where they said, you know, he the story goes his plane was hit with a tractor beam and was brought down into Antarctica. So, you know, there is definitely, I mean, and then you got Star Trek, you know, they've got the tractor beam. So it kind of makes sense that, you know, if they can take a human, they can take anything around them. Oh, absolutely. There was a case in New Hampshire where uh, there was a couple that were, they were parked out at a closed restaurant and a craft came and started to pick the car up and something happened and, and they lost it and the car came back down really hard mm-hmm. on the ground. It damaged the car. Yeah. So, yes, in so many cases, especially back in the earlier cases where the vehicle and the humans are picked up. Yeah. Um, another question come in says, uh, were extraterrestrials involved in building of the pyramids? I think we mentioned that just a second. I don't know if they were. Uh, I think it's also possible that there have may have been an advance or advanced races of humans on this earth at one time. And then there could have been uh, like a huge tragedy. Something happened. Mm-hmm. And the evidence is left of the, the structures they built. Uh, there is some high-tech stuff that I'm aware of mm-hmm. um, in... India, Pakistan, in that region, there is uh, evidence that there might have been a thermonuclear war at one time, the the little glass beads that are the result of a thermonuclear war where the the soil is uh, vitrified. Okay. So, you know, that it could be. Okay. All right. Melanie Petal says, Kathleen, do you have a favorite sci-fi movie about aliens and why? I don't watch sci-fi movies, so wow. no. You deal, you deal in the real thing, <laughs> <laughs> right? I, I do the real thing, right? <laughs> okay, okay. All right. Um, Gladys says, Kathleen, have you ever heard of the Elite Group Plus Ultra? Plus Ultra? Yeah, no. why not? No. Oh, ultra Plus, it, it, it sounds, <laughs> that sounds like a... Uh, I won't, no, never mind. Uh, let's get uh, to another question. Okay, Ultra, but not, okay. not Plus Ultra. Okay, okay. Uh, by the way, everybody, we do have a, a poll, a question on the Edge's website that you can take, and the, the, the question is, uh, what do you think, let me get the exact title of this uh, poll question, oh, why do aliens abduct people? And I'm going to go ahead and check in on that right now, uh, what the results are, Kathleen. I, I like to do that during the show and see we oh, got okay. – um, uh, well, I hit results and nothing happened. Oh, here we go. Uh, whoa. Okay, yeah. 69% of the people say respondents say uh, they abduct people to create alien-human hybrids. Now, you know, I've, I've always well, – now, 23% says that they abduct people so they can, they can laugh and share stories and sing some songs. So <laughs> – 
you know, I threw that one in there because I figured, hey, why is it always got to be doom and gloom and getting probed and impregnated? And, you know, why, I mean, maybe they maybe they want to sing some songs, you know, build a fire, sing some songs, roast some marshmallows on the mothership. Why is it always got to be gloomy? <laughs> oh, that's funny. You know, I've, I've worked on three major studies. I've, I've asked that question for 30 years now. Uh, why is this happening? What are they doing? Uh, aside from the, the hybridization part of it, uh, they say that they are attempting to upgrade humans. Uh, we have evidence that the experiencers, the, the abductees particularly, have developed certain characteristics that are not common among the general population. They become highly spiritual, 100% of the abductee group in uh, MUFON's re more recent study. Mm -hmm. Well, that. well, let's just, uh, that's, a, that's a, a rabbit hole I'd like to certainly go down. Do you feel, after all your investigations and knowledge, are you a more spiritual person? I am. And, I am a much and more how spiritual person. And do, how, do how does that knowledge, or your experiences, or your knowledge enhance your spirituality? Um, I don't know. Uh, that's one thing that I have questions. What causes this? It's not only spirituality, it's uh, a psychic sense or an intuitive sense that, that you didn't have before. Um, a different view of the world where you it, you view everyone as being part of you. It's, mm -hmm. it's much broader than just you know the, your family and your friends and your state and, and the U.S. You you think of all of us as being humans uh, when you have interacted with not these non-humans. Mm -hmm. So uh, I mean, so, so, so do you, do you look at the world? I mean, it seems to me um, it might have been a sci-fi movie, but uh, maybe it was an astronaut statement that said, as they look down on the Earth, they wonder why there has to be so much division because it's just one world. So I mean, so from the spiritual standpoint to the human organizational standpoint, do you feel like you're closer to all humans around the world? As part of a, a, that spiritual growth, yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, they do. And also, there's something that else they develop. They become empaths. And when you're an empath, it's a psychic sense where you can feel another person's emotions and experience them as if they were your own. I think it's brilliant if these ETs are doing this intentionally because you can't harm another person if you're an empath. Mm -hmm. Well, so, you can't harm another person if you're a decent human either. Right. Well, that's true. So maybe maybe I'm an empath, man, because I certainly wouldn't want to harm anybody. And I I have to I have to make clarification sometimes because I have a, a part of the program I call ranting points and. Uh, so during the show, the reason you're on at 8.30, but the show starts at 8, because from 8 to 8.30, we have ranting points, we have the bear report, we acknowledge people in a chat, we talk about guests, upcoming guests, and we have the guest section at 8.30. But in my ranting points, frequently, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll talk about, I'll just go down a news feed somewhere, and a lot of it's political, and I say, well, just because I'm saying something about somebody, recognizing what I think is stupid, doesn't mean I hate them, because I, I can't, Kathleen, I can't allow hate to be in, in the cowboy body. Okay, it, it's 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 like it's like a cancer. It's like a sickness. So I can't I can't internalize it. But yet I do have to state my opinions, and they can be pretty rough and rowdy sometimes. All right, let's get to some more questions. Um, now, oh by the way, let me let's, let me follow this track a little bit about your spiritual spirituality. How mm -hmm. if I never met you, or let's just say I met you on the street, how would I know that you're a spiritual person? Would I would I sense something about you that's 
uh, elevated spiritually, vibrationally, or I wouldn't recognize it, or would it, would I have to see you do something? You know, I mean, I, how how is that your spirituality walked out? Everyone says that I radiate kindness. Okay, I think that, that could be part of it. Okay, that could be part of it. And and I didn't have this really until I took part in an experiment where I had the opportunity to meet alleged ETs. And uh, they had to prove to me that that I don't know for certain they're ETs, but I know that they're mm -hmm. not humans. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was with a group of researchers. We studied this over a two-year period. Mm -hmm. So I think that that and what we learned as a result of this mm -hmm. probably increased my level of ex of spirituality. Okay. All right. Now. now. <laughs> I've never done this one before, but you gave me you gave me a, an opening here, so I'm going to go ahead and go through it now. People that's watching the program, you've been watching Kathleen Martin. Is any of the viewers that's in the live chat? Do you sense is she radiating niceness and kindness, spirituality? Just put a quick yes or no. You can say no if you think no. She's a complete fraud and she's a <laughs> conniving. And she and she's trying to lead you down a merry path, to lead you straight to hell, Daniel. Or you can say you can say the opposite too. So just a yes or no, real quick on that, and then uh, we'll we'll see how you're being perceived that way. I've, I I I mean I don't I don't I can't give my opinion because I don't want to I want honest I want people to say exactly what they're thinking. All right, Kevin Utterberger says uh, Kathleen, can an ET give him the Powerball numbers if they want? Can the an ET give who the Powerball numbers? Well, he he numbers? wants right. He's trying to take a shortcut. He's going to he wants to try to communicate to an alien who maybe can foresee the future and tell him the Powerball money. I think that's where he's going with this. Well, okay. Oh, so you're talking about Powerball? Yeah, lottery. I, I I haven't the slightest idea. I I don't know. I just don't know. I've never heard of anyone who has asked aliens for a Powerball number. You're better off Ke trying Ke a psychic. Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> now you know sometimes sometimes the, the the viewers will they'll put a they'll put a question in the chat and just to see if I'm really going to ask it. And they, they get a kick out of it if I do, if it's corn, if it's cornball, because they like to, they, they like to see a little cut up and now again. All right. Now we got some answers in, are you ready for them? You know, the question I just put to them, okay. are you, are you ready? Are you radiating Kathleen? And here we go. The answer is Gladys. Yes. This is my story. Yes. Azure says yes. Tony says yes. Kevin Utterberger with that Powerball question says yes. Mishcom says yes. Richard Brower. Yupper. Rose, yes. Our moderator, Jade, yes. Gio says yes, and smart, too. Oh, and then okay. Gladys says, you have a very nice smile. I was going to point that out as well. And um, she, uh, Kevin says, she's cool. Um, Melody says, my first comment, I knew uh, she was a nice lady, open-minded and knowledgeable. And uh, yes, yes. And of course, and yeah, so it looks like you've been taken very, so you, you, you there you go. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Have you ever, have you ever had a show that went, went to that realm? No. <laughs> Good. We like to break ground here. All right. How about this? Have you heard of my labs? Oh, absolutely. What's going on in yes. there? Um, my labs is uh, when an individual is abducted uh, by these non-humans, and then the military gets involved in it. Sometimes 
People report seeing uh, people from the military uh, in that wherever it is that they are taken, that alien environment. And sometimes after people claim that they have been abducted by the military and questioned. Mm -hmm. So it, it includes a number of different things. Melinda Leslie is, uh, she lives in Sedona and she gives uh, tours at night, night vision tours looking for UFOs, but mm -hmm. she is a MyLab abductee. Wow. So she's a really good one to talk to mm -hmm. about that. She's a public speaker and, and knowledgeable, highly knowledgeable on that. We asked uh, on our MUFON study uh, if people had had a MyLab abduction and it was about 20% who said that they had. Mm -hmm. And then we asked, were they able to identify the uniform on this in, these individuals? And they said, no, for the most part. They couldn't identify the uniform. It was just a feeling that they were behaving in a military manner. Mm. So. Okay. Wow, that's very interesting there. Uh, Melanie says, Kathleen, you mentioned time travel. Uh, are you familiar with Tesla's assistant, John Trump, working on a time machine, Donald Trump's uncle? I don't think so. I've heard his name, um, but I don't, if I did, I don't remember what he would have said or would have been said about him. So no, I'm not aware of that. Okay. Um, now we've had a, a couple of people on this program that, that claim they were time travelers themselves. And, if you look at out time and space, which is playing in my background, go as far as you can. I mean, it, it seems that if, if you multiply technology by billions of years, it seems like eventually you might figure it out. So I guess you have to decide if the mind can conceive that time travel is a possibility or there are limits that, of, 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 that cannot be breached, you know, that are built in the celestial framework. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there are rules, but I've, I got a feeling... The, the the rules that we know on this planet, uh, you know, heat, light, gravity, uh, force, speed, the, these are all things that we know because we've experienced them. But what about those things we haven't experienced? Can we say they don't exist because I haven't experienced them? Therefore, there can't be a time travel. I mean, what's your take on that? Um, I would like to tell an interesting story about uh, one of my cases. This was three people who... Uh, Two of them were highly regarded paranormal researchers, highly intelligent women, and they wanted to do an experiment to see if they could record EVPs, electronic voice mm -hmm. phenomena, right. in a confirmed abductee case. So I know loads and loads of abductees. I've, I've interviewed at least a couple of thousand of them. Wow. And so... Uh, I, I set them up. He said yes, and and so they went to his house, and they were had all of their equipment set up. But there was a craft that was coming in. They were looking at it, and uh, all of a sudden, all the equipment they'd been holding in their hands was on the ground behind them, the wet ground, mm -hmm. and they were reeling back and forth and feeling nauseated, and they went picked everything up, went into this uh, abductee's home, and his wife said, where have you been? I've been looking for you. You were gone. And they realized that a couple of hours had passed uh, that they couldn't account for. 
So I took both of the women separately and worked with them using uh, quantum healing hypnosis technique. Mm. Okay. And uh, what they said is, well, it's not necessarily thought of as time travel, but maybe these individuals who looked like a lot like humans, only uh, handsome men, beautiful women, <laughs> and uh, well, uh, they uh, told this experiencer uh, that they had lived on our planet thousands of years ago, wow. and that there had been an environmental collapse, and a lot of people were just left behind but they had the means to leave this planet. And they went and they found another planet on a, in a bi binary star system. And they actually gave the name of the planet too, mm -hmm. which I can't remember right now. It's been a while. Um, but it's in a ne very nearby star system. Wow. And they said that they hop through time and space. And they come by our planet. They don't take anything. They just come by from time to time to check up on us. And they apparently have had a relationship with one of these women since she was a little girl growing up in North Carolina. Uh, when you say relationship, what do you mean? That they came and they took her to craft. Okay, wow. and then when she what? was in the craft, what did they do to her? Um, played with her. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. they okay. didn't harm her. Okay, now, did they implant her? Yes, they, they, when she was an adult, she was it received an implant, and it, it did harm her nose, and uh, she had to see a, a doctor about it mm. Mm -hmm. mm. Uh, because she was hemorrhaging, but... Um, for the most part, they didn't harm her. These, the ones who appear to, that have this human type, are not generally the ones who are doing the reproductive experiments or anything else. They were mm -hmm. they were visiting with her, mm -hmm. and she's highly gifted um, now, highly psychic, highly uh, spiritual, uh, intuitive, and uh, just really an incredible. Uh, human being. Mm. Mm -hmm. uh, so you say you've done thousands of interviews with abductees? Yes. Okay. For uh, over the past 30 years. Okay. All right. Okay. So that's that's quite right. a long time. Okay. Quite, quite a long time there. Now, how, how does one get into this field? Well, the first thing I did is in 1991, I joined MUFON. Mm -hmm. I had talked to abductees before that who were friends with my aunt, Betty Hill. Mm -hmm. But I joined MUFON, and I studied, took training to become a field investigator. And so that gave me the skills I needed to become an investigator. Mm -hmm. And I specialized in uh, ET contact, alien abductions. That's what my interest was in, not lights in the sky. And so I went directly to, to that. It's more difficult to go directly there today. But that's how I began uh, investigating these cases. And then eventually, 
just because I was doing radio shows and, and talking at UFO conferences, giving presentations, people began to know who I was. So they started to contact me individually. Then in 2011, the Mutual UFO Network asked me to uh, take over as their director of experiencer or abduction research in that time. We changed it to experiencer mm -hmm. research. And over the next 10 years, I, uh, the team grew. And I believe there are now 46 investigators who talk to experiencers on a day-to-day -day basis, uh, not skeptically. They, they talk with experiencers to try to help them out mm -hmm. well, um, non-judgmentally. Well, I've just stepped down from that position because I have a lot going on in my life. Hey, but, hey, was, yeah. was, hey was that a paid position? No. No, it was volunteer. Oh, crap, man. I was wondering if I could make some extra cash if I just joined MUFON. No, you can't make cash in this field. Oh, okay. You, you don't make a lot of money in this field. You have to love it. Oh, okay. You got you to gotta love it. Okay. Well, yes. interesting. You said that you've uh, increased your spirituality. That, really, uh, and I mentioned uh, Chase Klosky in the first hour. That's what happened to her. She was more of an, an, an analytical sort, science-based, but as she began to research, and I believe she was an investigator for MUFON as well, I think yes. she began to sort of, I hope I don't get this wrong, but I thought she said she started clashing with him a little bit because it, the evidence was leaning or moving to or in agreement with something spiritual, something more than just your classic insectoid reptilian looking dude flying down here it was something else was spiritual now it's interesting too because george knapp who we all know from the skinwalker ranch and that he's the most one of the most knowledgeable people out there when he came to the gen 6 conference talking about skinwalker ranch he said because the, the, the audience was a more spiritual audience it wasn't a secular type of audience there and there was about three thousand people but they were the spiritual type and he said that that's where his evidence is leading him that there's something supernatural going on here that's more that cannot can't be accounted for simply by saying there's an alien flying down here a ship coming down and going up there's there's other things at play but so it seems that there's a trend toward maybe a merging of spiritual events or entities uh, or acknowledgement of their part in, within these um experiences you know that are people people are are having all right let's get to another question for you um, Constant Companion says, uh, Kathleen, have you ever compared the description that Betty had of the alien with Alistair Crawley's description and drawing of LAM? Uh, yes. Yes, I have. And they're not the same. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, we'll take that answer right there then. Uh, Doreen says, now... It's not a really a funny question because we've had guests on this program, but the question she has, uh, are aliens here to eat humanity? You know, that's there is a group, and, and it's getting a lot of press, I guess, or on the Internet, um, that says they're here to, to eat us. No. Um, I, I don't know what has happening to people. But I don't think that these uh, highly de uh, technologically developed ETs 
uh, traversing the vast expanse of space Mm -hmm. because they like the taste of human beings. Well, there's not a lot to eat out in space. (laughs) I suspect, and, and the greys don't even eat through their mouths. I think that perhaps there is a civilization, maybe interdimensional, maybe not, but a, a negative reptilian living below our Earth. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we had a guest on the program that claimed that uh, he was on a Navy ship that had a 10 by 10 cargo uh, box on the, on the deck, flight deck, that was filled with human parts that the aliens, they fed to the aliens. Oh, that so, sounds awful. Just saying, yeah, man, I, there, there's there, there's some strange stuff out there. But like I say, if you're driving millions of miles, there's not there's not a McDonald's out in space. I mean, you might stop at Earth to get a snack. Now, how are they going to know what to eat? Whether They're not going to eat a cow. I mean, you know, a lot of humans just grab one of them. Well, I'm certainly not going to go investigating the, uh, the negative... Uh, alien or negative non-human entities, whatever they are, um, because yeah. I don't want to get eaten. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> no, no, nobody uh, really does. I mean, <laughs> but but we did discover last week, and Randy points that Kamala Harris wants to be eaten because she was passing out Kamala Harris image cookies. She made a cookie <laughs> of herself, an image of herself and cookies and sugar cookies, and she was passing them out to the press. So she wants to be eaten. All right, let's. Um, <laughs> Melanie says, uh, have you ever had an encounter with a ghost demon or an alien? Well, unfortunately, I have. Uh Uh-oh. Do tell. Yeah, I I was working with an experiencer, and he was an experiencer who uh, was taken underground, he said, and that there were reptilians down there that were doing horrible things to humans, including eating, mm-hmm. and uh, capturing uh, missionaries and that sort of thing. I have difficulty even talking about it. Oh. But I was curious. I wanted to know more and more and more. I should have just stepped away. But he said something to me that was ho- so horrific that it lowered my vibrational frequency and it Whoa. gave that negative interdimensional, the opportunity to attach itself to me. And overnight, immediately after that happened, well, let me say when it was happening, I could feel tingling. All the, It seemed like all the goodness in my body was just flowing out through my hands. And then I started having difficulty sleeping that very night, which I n- never had before. I and as time went on, I I was becoming depressed. Now I'm not a depressive person. I I haven't had that before. And also, uh, he finally started saying to me in my head, uh, "You're gonna die soon. Why don't you just do it?" And then I knew. Then I knew because that's not me at all. Then I knew that I had an attachment. And I had that removed. Mm. By well, like an, you had, was it like an exorcism? No, it wasn't. It was uh, the ETs that I was talking about in that study that I did for two years. And it was this man um, who has been in communication with a council of ETs. 
And these ETs said that they would protect me. And so I went to him and I said, please ask them to remove this attachment that I have. And uh, it happened immediately, overnight, as soon as he communicated with them. It was gone. Wow. Interesting. Um, now, do I you... wrote about it in, my, in one of my latest books. Oh, yeah? Uh, uh, the alien, ab- not the alien abduction files, uh, extraterrestrial contact, what mm-hmm. to do when you've been abducted. Okay, so what? give us uh, three or four tips of what to do if you've been abducted. Well, <laughs> depends on what you want to do. Do you want to uh, investigate your this yourself by setting up cameras? I always tell everyone to keep a journal and whenever it happens, log what happens. Mm -hmm. I tell people how to collect their evidence if they're looking for this, how to uh, capture it maybe on video or at least the missing time. We have all of that evidence. Mm -hmm. And also there's a chapter in the book on what to do, suggestions if you want it to end. So. Oh, it's it's a very it's a well-rounded book and it has a tremendous amount of information kind of a comprehensive oh. guide for experiencers mm-hmm. and those who love them wow uh now in your do you have any religious affiliation i i'm a catholic okay. but but uh gosh although i i pray Mm-hmm. I have a crucifix. I have a holy water and everything next to my bed. Mm-hmm. Um, I speak directly to to God, and I don't go to church any longer. Okay. Why did you stop going to church? Uh, because I moved from New England down to Florida, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it's just different down here. New England to Florida. Okay, so it's not it's not it's not as churchy. It's more churchy down here. Oh, and everybody wants you to go to their church. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, there's a church on every corner down here. Right, right, right. Well, okay. All right. Well, all right. Let's get another question for you. It says, um, "Oh, by the way, Billy says thank you for sharing that with us. It was very traumatic." Yeah. All, all right. Uh, now. Kevin, coming back uh, with a, a, a more serious question, he says, can we defeat outside influence on humanity without God? I think that we all have to have God and that the ETs uh, have this higher power too. They don't worship it the way that we do, but there is one consciousness and that consciousness, the highest consciousness is God. And of course we need God mm-hmm. as humans and everywhere. Okay. Um, well, I, I would say that's true. And it's it, what do you think will happen to those that believe in God when the Navy or the government, as we said in the first hour, they're getting ready, they're ramping up for this big reveal of this study or whatever. And the word on the street is it, they're going to say, yeah, they're there, but we don't know what they are. And I'm pretty sure they're going to say, we don't find them. We don't think they're going to be a threat. You know, you know they're going to say that because they're not going to tell us the truth. They're not going to say we think they could uh, disable our nuclear weapons and destroy our infrastructure and demonetize the the country. You know, I mean, they're not going to say that. Um, so say that again. 
Uh, I'm just saying, uh, <laughs> I forgot what I was saying. No, uh, there's a big reveal coming and there's, they're trying to prepare us. Well, okay, oh, the, the, the end of the question was, when they appear, if they appear, people that believe in God, how do you think it's going to affect them? Okay, it's, how is it going to affect different religious groups? Yeah, religious I groups, will, people of faith. I, mm -hmm. I think it will affect different religious groups differently uh, in terms of uh, India. The, the people in India will probably be able to accept it much more easily than Southern Christians. Uh, and it depends upon the minister, holy water, and everything. Church, uh, for example, way back in the the end of June 1947, uh, Kenneth Arnold had a sighting in the Cascade Mountains in Washington, mm -hmm. and uh, he 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 is responsible, or the press is responsible for calling it a flying saucer or a flying disc back then, but. This passed in the newspapers, in the news, all over the country. There was a lot of interest in it. And then there were ministers who were saying, this signifies the end of the earth. And immediately, Roger Ramey, uh, who was in charge of the 8th Air Force uh, and his uh, counterintelligence officer, held a press conference. Mm -hmm. and said, don't worry, people, it is only weather phenomena. They're not really coming here from elsewhere. You know, so that's the way it was handled. Mm -hmm. I don't know how the, the government is going to handle it. I don't think that there's going to be a big reveal. I think we've already had the reveal. Mm -hmm. I, I suspect that uh, the government is going to do what it's always done. They, they give us a little information and they monitor the public reaction. Yeah. They're not going to tell us anything that's going to frighten us. It's their job to protect us, mm -hmm. to make us feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. um, that well, to, after 9-11, after there was a, a measurable return of folks to church. Yes. And I'm just thinking that when that happens, that's probably going to be happening again because what what is... The, the humans aren't going to be able to stave off an alien invasion if people think that's what it's going to be or that's what's getting planned because we're probably just going to have nothing more than a, more questions. You know, we're not going to get answers no matter what the situation is. So we're still going to have to have this show on and we're still going to have to talk to you to find out information because they're not going to tell us and who's, who trusts the government anyway. But on the other hand, if people do return to church, that doesn't work well for the government because it seems to me they want people disconnected from that. They're trying to disconnect everybody from everything, as far as I can tell. Oh, you had a puzzled look on your face. I'm t it's one of the first things that they said you couldn't do during the pandemic was go to church. And then you couldn't well, see grand you couldn't see grandma. You couldn't go to a wedding. You couldn't even go to the funeral. I mean, there was. It seemed that there was this thing to, to pull American from their roots. It it did, but it was so that those Americans wouldn't die, and you know that a lot of people went to church and a lot of people caught it and died. Hmm. A lot of grandparents died. They caught it from their children and grandchildren. So uh, it was, I know it was difficult for everyone. You yeah. don't, you hate to have that happen. Yeah. It hurts everyone mm -hmm. to be away from their family and their friends. We all suffered yeah. through this, yeah. but uh, you know, it's, it's yeah. suffer or die. Yeah. Which makes you wonder why did why did Andrew Cuomo put all the infected people in the nursing homes to kill old people? It just makes you wonder 
why you why are you going to do that why, why would you do that maybe they want to kill them off so they can feed them to the aliens i don't know um here's a question for you it says what do you think about all these ufos videos that are just now surfacing in the news you know the tick tic tac videos and various ones coming up uh they seem again it goes back to what i call it a, a trickle out reveal here yes well in 2019 the navy uh stated that the the radar film did belong to them that it mm -hmm. was they didn't know what it was uh it they are able to hover for hours at mm -hmm. 80,000 feet well, we can't do that. They stayed in one place, right, uh, right. stationary. Uh, they could drop to 20,000 feet in a few seconds. If a human using our current day technology were was in that craft, we'd be dead. We'd be splattered all over the walls mm -hmm. of that craft. Uh, then it went to 50 feet above the churn of the ocean. And there was another craft larger than an aircraft carrier under the water. And this smaller Tic Tac bounced back and forth over it as if they were communicating. So I mean, the government has said, yes, uh, that film is ours. We have the most sophisticated radar in the world. This is new high tech and we don't know what it is we don't know where it's from and you know that's probably the truth i don't mm. know if the government knows i know that they have been uh investigating uh skinwalker ranch for example mm -hmm. where there are all sorts of uh things happening ranging from uh interdimensionals to uh, uh yeah portals uh, prehistoric a prehistoric wolf Right. Uh, to cattle mutilations, to it's on TV now, mm -hmm. all, right. just all sorts of activity. Non-human non, non activity is what it is. Yeah, it's non-human. Non well, well, yeah, so I mean, it, it seems to me, and I asked what do you think the, the church would do as far as, you know, the, or religious folks, religions, and one of the things that I remember in, in, when Katrina hit, um, it was reported that a lot of pastors headed north and they left their congregations. <laughs> they didn't call them, didn't say anything. They didn't want to get out of there. So they just went north to, to, to find a haven up north. I'm thinking, wait a minute, what happened to your brothers and sisters, man? Why aren't you taking them with you? You know, they're all concerned about themselves. Something tells me that a, a lot of pastors are, when, when the big mothership flies over, they're not going to be saying, you know, where where I'm going, you can go, even though you paid all your money to the church. You know they're not gonna. I'm a, a lot of people will get left behind. They're gonna be shocked because they 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 really they don't have an answer. Well, I guess what I'm saying, they don't have an answer because they just put a label of a demon on it and they go on to three steps to how to lose weight. You know, I mean that's that's kind of like a lot of messages going on. So that's maybe why I'm not going to church at this time, though I'm a very spiritual person. I have to say. Um, and in Azura says this question, speaking about religious, and you said you were Catholic. Um, now, do you use prayer beads? Does it ever ward off any kind of negative thing for you? I don't use prayer beads. Um, I, I was christened Catholic. I, I felt comfortable. My father was Catholic. I went to church with him. He even lived with me as an old man. I took care of him, and we would go to the Catholic church. But I was 
raised in the Baptist church. Oh. Too. So I, I learned to, uh, a kind of a combination of the two, but I don't use prayer beads. I do have a crucifix. Mm-hmm. I do have the holy water. Wow. And, 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 you know, when I had that demon kind of attachment, uh, I, I prayed, I used everything. I couldn't get rid of it. And that's why I had to go to uh, this man who speaks with a council of non-humans and, uh, and ask them to remove it from me. And they did. Well, in that case there, they, they kind of the helpers. Yes, they were very helpful. And this uh, council, where does this council reside at? Well, let me tell you about this man. His name is Kevin Briggs. Okay. He grew up in England. Okay. And uh, when he was nine years old, he was in the bath one night, and these two very tall humans materialized in front of him. They were dressed not like humans in blue suits. And then uh, one of them, who he calls Ort, um, Ork, came back as an orb. Mm. And he stayed there. Mm-hmm. And he taught Kevin how to astral travel. Mm-hmm. Now, Kevin grew up and became a police officer. His wife uh, worked at a college, a university over in England, and was in, uh, worked in social res- or medical research, mm-hmm. and then social research. And now they've been in the United States for 20 years, and he's a real estate agent. So he was in, he was in the bathtub and they appeared to him? When he was a boy, they scared him to death. <laughs> he didn't dare to get out of the tub. Okay, it sounds, like, sounds like they were peakers. Yeah, and you know, it's the kind of thing that you say, is he imagining this mm-hmm. or not? But they proved to the team that investigated this over a two-year period that they are something, that they are real and they have positive energy mm-hmm. and they can communicate with us telepathically. I know that because I've felt it and I've done it. And, uh, you know, since they removed that negative entity um, that I caught from this experiencer Mm -hmm. who was having negative reptilian experiences, that, uh, yeah, that's, that's where I got it from. Wow, sound like you kind of like you. That's why I say, said earlier, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna investigate that type anymore. Well, well, no. being being that being that you was a rough and rowdy Baptist back in the day, uh, when you was a Baptist, did you uh, did you uh, get born again, accept Christ as your Savior? I wasn't a born again. No, no. You were a Baptist, but you weren't born again. I didn't know that. That could even be a I thing. I grew up in Baptist. I grew up in New Hampshire. Okay, and yes. G- Jesus ain't out there. Well, Jesus is part of it, but not being born again. Okay, so his. I don't. I don't even know when born again began. Mm. I only started hearing about it, what twenty years ago, thirty years oh. ago. <laughs> well, I thought that's like the, the 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 most basic tenet of your Baptist church to get you saved, get you born again. I guess maybe you got a different kind of church out there in New England. But you said Jesus does appear, or he comes out to New Hampshire every now and again. Jesus? Yeah, that's what you said. You've seen him a couple times. No, I have not seen Jesus. I know people who have, but um, part of the Baptist church is, yes, Jesus is our Lord and and Savior. Right, right. 
but not born again. That well, I'm wondering. I'm wondering if had you been born again, that is how they say accept Christ as your Savior. I wonder if that would have prevented you from getting that nasty attachment to begin with. It wouldn't. I I worked on a case in Texas. It was at an airport. Poor guy, 50 years old. Uh, he had been a commercial pilot. Uh, stopped doing that and opened up his own private little airport. And uh, one night he heard noise outside. He, he lived uh, in, in an apartment by the hangar with his wife. Mm -hmm. Went outside and there were people out there who were pointing to U a UFO in the sky. Mm -hmm. He knew absolutely nothing about UFOs, never had any interest in it. And he then... Uh, thought that he could call them in and sit down and have a conversation with them and see what they wanted from mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. So uh, he eventually did call them in. He eventually did get abducted. Ooh. Oh, yeah. And he eventually did have a portal that was open, and there was demonic activity, there was angelic activity, and there were UFOs all involved wow. in there. He was a born-again Christian. He had been Catholic. He became mm -hmm. a born-again Christian. It didn't help him. He did mm -hmm. everything. He did everything he could, and he ended mm -hmm. up just having to give everything up and leave mm -hmm. to get away from all of that. Wow. It was really a sad story. Oh, that does and sound... nobody believed him. He said that he thought he could ride around the town square with a dead alien on his the hood of his car, and no one would believe him. They'd all look the other way. <laughs> That's what he told me. Wow. Uh, there's a, a guy on the internet uh, talks about aliens a, a lot. His name's L.A. Marzulli, and he says, if you see a, a UFO, he goes, rebuke first and and ask questions later. <laughs> so no, cast the thing out, curse it out, uh, use crucifix on it, whatever first. And then you maybe you'll be able to damage it. And then rather than saying, oh, well, there's a UFO. Isn't that great? And then say, hey, where's my camera? You know, where's my camera? You know, I mean, so rebuke first, take pictures later. All right, let's get to another great question for you. Um, it says, um, or this person is just a statement. It says, I believe that aliens are demons, dimensional, demons, dimensional beings. Have you had anyone that said they have rebuked them in the name of Jesus and they left? Yes, yes, absolutely. And those are those who are having the negative, lower vibrating entities, not these higher vibrating extraterrestrials, what we call extraterrestrials, but the lower vibrating ones. And that's one of the recommendations that I've given in the book mm -hmm. is uh, rebuke them in the name of the Lord. And, you know, uh, what I would say is in the name of of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, I command you to leave now. Hmm. This is a striking statement there for for one who hasn't. I mean, I guess you believe that in the in the in the name of Jesus, the power in the name of Jesus. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. You you just don't go along with the accept him as your Lord and Savior, born again thing. Uh, I I said I haven't been born again. I'd never heard of that okay. until not too long ago. It, that wasn't part of the Baptist Church in New Hampshire. Um, I yeah, but I've always been believed in God and in Christ. Mm -hmm. and, 
Um, and that's interesting what you say there because numbers of UFO people have said that using the name of Jesus will stop abductions, it will stop visitations, I mean, various things. But I've never had anybody get on the show and tell me that using the name of Allah, not one single person ever. And it's like, I mean, a lot of UFOlogists are atheists by nature, uh, non-believers, I guess you could say, but um, none of them have said that. And they'll, they'll admit that, you know, they don't believe Jesus exists. That He said, they'll just say, there's something about that name. I was wondering, doesn't that mean or give credence to the fact that that, that name does have power in it? Well, I have respect for all religions. And so what I advise people to do is to call out to their religious leader and for people who uh, do not believe in God or in Christ, I, I just say call out to the highest power. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's going to work. Mm -hmm. I don't check up and see if it did. Right, right, I, right. I give advice based upon the knowledge I've acquired. Mm, wow. And I tell you, all these years, you certainly have acquired a lot of knowledge. And that's why really why we want to have you have you on the program. Um, whatever happened to Betty and Barney Hill? Um, well, Betty and Barney uh, remained in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. They were never going to tell the public about what happened. They were willing to talk to the military. Mm -hmm. And they had several friends who were military officers. Uh, they were willing to talk to the family, and we were sworn to secrecy, their friends, and uh, the couples club at their church, their, their friends in, in their church. Okay. And But there was a violation of confidentiality in 1965 that carried their story to the public. Uh, in 1965, Betty and Barney were invited to Lyndon Johnson's inauguration. I went with them. Wow. And Barney, in 1965, received an award from Sergeant Shriver uh, because he and Betty and others set up the Rockingham County Community Action Program using funds from the Office of Economic Opportunity. Mm -hmm. uh, Barney also received an award from the Archdiocese of Manchester, New Hampshire, for setting up a literacy program, and he was appointed to the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights, State Advisory Committee. All of this before that violation of confidentiality. So mm -hmm. you can imagine what happened mm -hmm. when now, now, that was revealed about them. They were thought of as kooks by a lot of people. People mm -hmm. didn't believe them. Some people still question whether they were lying. Mm -hmm. Betty and Barney paid Dr. Benjamin Simon, who was a neuropsychiatrist who could work with Barney to overcome the post-traumatic stress disorder that mm -hmm. he had developed. Mm -hmm. um, well, also, also, I don't know if you address this in the book, but obviously they were a biracial couple. Did, yes. did they feel like if they were to come out and tell the story that they would be, they wouldn't even hear the story. They would just say it's a biracial couple. So therefore you dismiss anything they say anyway. Was there any of that going on? Well, that's another reason why they wouldn't want to draw attention to themselves with that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, well, Joe Biden ought to be pretty happy about Betty and Barney Hill because he said the other day, watch commercials that have biracial couples in them. He just wants people to watch commercials. You know, it's like, okay. I mean, is there a channel, like a commercial channel? Like, I don't know. I don't well, know. There what, are loads of, of Why do I got to do that? I can just, I, I don't need to do that. I could just read your book. <laughs> right? Yeah, you could read my book and you'd see a biracial couple. Well, there you go. Then I'd have my biracial uh, 
woke wokeness going, and I, I guess I'm, I would be approved of. Watch TV. I've been on loads of television programs. Uh, was there ever a movie made about them, like like the Travis Walden movie? Yes, it was uh, the UFO incident, starring mm-hmm. James Earl Jones and Estelle wow. Parsons. 1975, uh, movie of the week on CBS, I think it was. Okay, did did they get a cut of the of the proceeds? For that movie, Barney died in 1969 from oh. a massive cerebral hemorrhage. He mm. was no longer alive. But yes, Betty did, and Dr. Simon did. John Fuller, who was the author of The Interrupted Journey, the book mm. that it was based on, mm-hmm. did. Yes. Do 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 we? Uh... <laughs> Do we have any any idea how much that was? No, I don't know how much. Wait a minute. She's your auntie. How come she didn't leave you something? Well, I, I inherited. Her daughter inherited. Her oh, son. Okay. Oh, so, okay. Okay. So, okay. Okay. You got you got your cut. Okay. Good. Good to know. But it wasn't a lot of money. I can tell you that. I'm just wondering. I'm wondering, is, is there a re- repetitive thing? Like every time that movie's played, you get a cut? No. Oh, okay. Well, I'm glad yeah. I'm glad you got something, man. Here, but here you are. I mean, it wasn't about money anyway, because here you are uh, writing about their story. And uh, so now, of course, you've got the firsthand knowledge too. Now, there other people have written about them. What makes your book different? Well, my book is different because back in the 1980s, I was watching television programs about them and reading articles and. I was confused because it wasn't what I remembered having happened. And so I started to do a very long investigation mm-hmm. uh, and slowly wrote a book on, wrote manuscript on my findings. Okay. So I, I did and the investigation where I, my husband and I drove the entire route that they drove that night. Uh, and I had memorized the hypnosis tapes by then, so I n- knew exactly where to go. We took all the old roads like they did. Uh, I went up with Betty time and time again to the Close wow. Encounter route wow. and to all of those places. Mm-hmm. I interviewed her playing devil's advocate. I had all of the original reports, investigative reports, from the Air Force, from NICAP, from other investigators, mm-hmm. letters to and wow. from scientists. Nice. And I also transcribed all of those hypnosis tapes, and I was not a good typist then. But I transcribed them for comparative analysis because I wanted to know if Betty's dreams, and she had five dreams, they began 10 days after they had that event, that close encounter with the craft where Barney saw these non-human entities looking down at him. Um, so she had five dreams just before she woke up in the morning. And uh, dreams that you have before you, just before you wake up tend to be a little bit hypnotic. They can uh, have information that you're fully aware of, but also some fantasy information to fill in. Uh, to be something that you're having anxiety about. I believe that's what happened with Betty. I did that comparative analysis, mm-hmm. and I discovered uh, a lot of evidence that, yes, this actually did happen, and parts of it are inconsistent with Betty's dreams. Mm. But Betty and Barney made the same statements. 
Did they ever relay to you why they think they were taken? Why they were picked? Well, they thought that they just happened to be driving through a desolate area of New Hampshire during the off season. Mm -hmm. And they had shown an interest in this craft, mm -hmm. uh, trying to identify what it was. They'd stopped uh, a couple of times before it swooped down over their car. And uh, so they just thought that they, it was sort of opportunistic. They picked them up and they thought that they wanted to know the difference between human bodies and their own bodies, which were not human. Wow. But that was in New Hampshire? Yes. Wow. Now, I, I, I guess it doesn't sound like there's a lot, a lot of people being born again over in New Hampshire, so maybe that's why they felt like they can come down and abduct them. But... <laughs> These were not demons. These okay. were... Uh, non-human entities. Now, non-human, but they looked the the intelligent ones that were like humans mm -hmm. in a way. Yeah. Um, were more Asian-looking. Um, wow, never heard that description. Face, um, eyes larger than mm -hmm. an Asian face. No, no lips. No external ear. No hair on their heads or anywhere that they could see. <laughs> Did you say flat-faced? Flat, broad flat, and flat. Okay. Broad and flat, okay. Yeah, okay. you know, a very then, small then, nose, just a couple of upturned nostrils. That's pretty sick. Well, okay, all right. So, I mean, they didn't have like <laughs> like that going on, right? I mean, I don't, I don't know. what. I, I've never heard, slanted. yeah, they, they did? They had that, that, that kind of thing Their going on? Their eyes were slanted, yes. In all these years, I've never heard anyone describe an uh, entity like that that has an Asian feature. So this is a first for me. So thank you very much. <laughs> See, I knew I was going to get new intel if I had you on the program. Yeah, but I said resembled Asians, yeah. but not Asian. There, no, were, there uh, were marked differences as well. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. I mean, did they have clothes on? Yes, they had on inside black outfits. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, now, Betty speculated that they that she thought they might have at one time lived on our planet and that they were just us in the future. Mm -hmm. Some scientists had talked to her about mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. and she agreed Well, that could have been possible. Now, that makes sense because one might mistake, a, I mean, innocently so, a Chinese this, person with an Asian person this happens all the time and I'm just wondering does that mean that eventually the Chinese are going to take over the earth and in the future like you just said these are future and that's the resemblance that still remains when they took over the planet and then and in the future boy is that speculation well you know there's, there's not <laughs> that's what I get the paid for are the, the the ones that look human there yeah. are the ones who look like mantis types you know, and, and other types as well, that all whites, that all goldens, the blues, you know, you name it, <laughs> have been reported. Yeah, I think last I heard, there was like 75 or 80 different species. Well, Kathleen Martin, I appreciate you coming on Edge Broadcast. Now, where can people get these fabulous books that you're writing? Well, they're, and you can get them from any bookstore. If they're not carrying them in the store, then you can order them. They're also... Uh, on any online bookstore in all of the different formats that pu uh, professionally published. And if you would like an autographed copy, you can order it from my website at oh. Kathleen with a K, 
dash Martin, M-A-R-D-E-N dot com. Well, I'll tell you what, well, you, you, uh, you work on getting born again and I'll work on updating the website with this video <laughs> w- once it's transcribed and then I'll send you some I links. I lost my faith, so I didn't feel I had to be born again. Oh, well, you have to, <laughs> just, just, just do it. You'll be, you'll be glad you did. That way, that way, if somebody asks you the question again, you can say, yes, yes, sir. I've been born again and you'll, you'll, you'll know it. You'll know it. All right. Kathleen Martin, I appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you. Nice right. to talk with you and right. everybody else. Thanks okay. for your questions. Okay. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Okay. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. All right, everybody. It was Kathleen.